Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Ah, uh, I worked out today. Okay. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Um, all right. <laughs> Good. I always like to start with guttural noises. No on one understands program. me. O- okay. That's a microphone. You don't have to yell. I worked out. And I'm very tired. Well, we all acknowledge and it. very sore. So joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I did not work out, and I'm eating M&Ms currently. See, and that's my main point here is I, I'm better than all of you. Sure. sure. That's the main thing. Sure. Yeah, there probably are a lot of people who yeah. listen to this podcast while they're running. Yeah. That's true. I don't think you're going to get any sympathy from them. No, probably not. I don't know if that's a really good idea health-wise. To listen to this while you're running? Yeah. Well, you're, you're, what it is is you're not going to get enough oxygen to your brain. Sure. And the wisdom's going to hit your brain. Sure, sure, absolutely. Real hard. Yeah, it's like getting the wisdom bends. Uncut. You just can't it's, handle it. It's. Let me tell you what, this <laughs> podcast is like taking a punch in the brain. Wow, that's good. It's a wisdom punch straight to the brain. That's that's impressive. Somebody write that down. We're going to put that in okay, the that's advertising. Good. No. Yeah, it's a t-shirt. <laughs> we will not that's be putting that in anything. Yeah, that's going to be our new motto. Everybody pick up on that, and uh, that's our new me- uh, meme. Say that, a wisdom punch straight to your brain. That just, it just sounds right. Yeah, nothing, like get, nothing gets more traction in the Christian marketplace than physical violence imagery. Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. Holly Holmes, you right in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually good we started off with almost indecipherable nonsense on this episode. Hmm. Because one, we were going to do it anyway, so we might as well go ahead and see it as a victory. That's just kind of the sure. positive mindset. That's good. That's good. I like that. And the other one is... I have an emergency to declare, gentlemen. Really? What? This is an emergency wow. of the social media and cross-promotion variety. Did you actually declare it? Wow. Because you just mentioned that you had one. And I'm as you know, I to was be st- subtle. I'm a stickler for proper procedure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Would you like to declare it? Well, I, I you know, it's te- technically it's your honor to declare the emergency. I defer to the gentleman from Texas. I declare an emergency! <laughs> was that <laughs> Polly from Rocky? Well, it it was a little bit of that. It was also, I completely ran out of air and energy halfway through. Sure, sure. So I've been working out, y'all. Uh, it's yeah, going to be a great show. Real upbeat. A lot of, lot of rapid lot of fire heart. coming at you. So, as you many of you may know, and if you don't, you should, Lee produces another podcast called The Ancient and New that I am very often on. Right now, we're in the middle of a uh, Advent devotional, Ooh. some daily readings Lee does on there. It's a very cool idea. So, But before that, the season before that was Lee and I doing a little Bible study talk about the, uh, the parables of Jesus. Okay. So, we have a lot of folks who listen to this show and the, the other show, one including our friend Kathleen Stickle who reached out to us on Twitter to say this, Ooh. at Matt Kinger, at Lee Younger, sometimes at the, ends of, at the end of Ancient New, 
I forget which podcast is on, and I expect to hear at Glenn Fitzgerald say something ridiculous. What? Which now this this led to quite the uh, the tw- the tweeter conversation. There, one is I think it's a great idea for season three, yeah. just to have Glenn not have listened to the episode, but just record a series of non sequiturs <laughs> that we can then no context. drop into the end of uh, episodes. I, I like that. I, I'm just a man for the job. Yeah. And so I mentioned that I think that's the thing to which Kathleen, proving that she gets us yeah. as a unit, said that people who don't listen to say that will be so confused, you should totally do it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So <laughs> Kathleen's idea here is that we should intentionally do something that will confound and most likely anger our audience. Sure. Which is just us all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're open to that. Making jokes that only we understand. <laughs> yeah. For our own enjoyment. Only two out of four of us at any given time actually enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. But we insist on doing them over and over again. That's right. That's really the good stuff. (laughs) And then then Glenn realized what was going on, saw the notifications, and he had a little critique of this plan. Right. Which is he did not take too kindly to the word ridiculous. That's right. He used to characterize his little um, summary at the end of each episode. Right. The epilogue. There you yeah. go. Glenn, you thought there was another phrase that should have been used, and I'd like you to make a case. Uh, well, what I, uh, you know, what I asked was, by ridiculous, did she mean adorable? Mm. Which she cleared up that she very much did not, by questioning if you knew the meaning of the word adorable. And <laughs> and that's where it got a little dark. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so Glenn decides to stick up for himself to prove right. that the things he say is, is adorable. Right. By giving the example of what? What adorable thing? I said, well, for example, this podcast is so good, it'll give the devil a pants down spanking. Sure. Sure. You, that was your A number one off the top of the deck example of you being adorable. That's right. Giving the devil, and and I quote, pants down spanking. That's correct. Now, I pointed out, and I'd like to get you to unpack this for us, that uh, that's not only is that debatably adorable, but that's really a matter of taste. Uh-huh. What we can prove is that that statement is not radio general manager approved. Because <laughs> I don't know if Glenn was leading us to this or we just forgot it, that that's not actually a line from the podcast. Nope. That's right. That's a line from a previous Glenn Fitzgerald audio adventure yeah, well, that the, people took none too kindly to. Well, the, the, the all of these things bleed together in my mind, <laughs> apparently. But I did have an actual radio show on actual Christian radio that I was an actual host of here in the greater Chicagoland area. And... um. Uh, the station manager was out of town for a station manager uh, 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 convention, which you can only imagine what that what sort of rollicking fun that might be. That also gives you a clue to what era this was, that there right. are enough separate radio station managers to support a convention. Exactly. So uh, the station manager was out of town, and uh, so we were in the studio by ourselves, and I was feeling that uh, uh, I had a little more creative freedom. So, that was an oversight. Yeah, and so I said, and the, and also I should point out the demographics of this particular radio station skewed a little towards the little old lady sure. variety. Yeah. You so, also point out that um, occasionally we'll do special episodes of this year's podcast, and one of us can't be here. We'll occasionally Lee will be doing some young life stuff. He'll be out of town, or Glenn will be traveling. What we don't do is epi- episodes with the three of them and not me. Yeah, right. for a reason you're about to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, I I said on the air, 
Hey, y'all, this show's so good, it's bound to give the devil a pants down spanking. Now, uh, at, at the time, it went out, and there was no uproar or hubbub. Right. Because there was no one in the station sure. but us, you know. And you thought it was great. I thought it was great. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, station manager Dan, and he really super hated being called that also, <laughs> uh, was listening back to the, to the, to the tapes. Right. And hauled me into his office and simply asked this question. Did you say the phrase pants down spanking on my Christian radio station <laughs> on the air? And I said, well, when you put it that way out of context, it you, sounds bad. You could make anything sound bad. I you also know. mentioned Satan. Exactly. <laughs> that makes it better, right? <laughs> yeah. So there was a little bit of a heated uh, exchange. exchange. Free flow of ideas. Yeah. And then I actually went into the studio to re record the, the next episode. Uh, episode and told them how the jackpooted thugs of administration <laughs> were censuring me and that, and that I, I like wasn't allowed to refer to, you know, certain demonic uh, whatever, you know. And so then there was another meeting. Right. You know, so, but. Did you suggest that the authorities were in the pocket of big spanking? <laughs> Exactly. Somehow, whenever Glenn is in a meeting about his behavior, it always leads to more meetings. You know, it's the belt lobby is is, is <laughs> driving this whole thing. You know, so, <laughs> um, so the point Matt is making is well taken in that that has actually been proven to not be entirely adorable to everyone and possibly extremely offensive. Yes. And occasionally, your internal barometer for adorableness may be. Out of step with the wider public. Horribly, 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 completely out of whack. Sure, yes. yeah. sure. And leading to meetings. Mm -hmm. Leading to meetings, particularly out of step with people who consume Christian media. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think I think it's a good point, but I still think it's a solid idea. Right. So yeah. I, I wonder if we you, might go You mean the pants on spanking part? Sure. Okay. But also. But also. But also. You know, if we looked. Pun. Well done. Okay, I didn't catch it at first, folks. So I thought maybe you didn't catch it at first either. I thought we doubled back to it. I'm just trying there to help out. Yeah, just, just just drawing an underline on that one. Yep, yeah, just a little audio, little audio highlighting for you. Because it's a spanking, right? And then, yeah, then you yeah, said but. but. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's you know what's great happens. with humor is when you explain. Absolutely, it. that makes yeah. it way more funny. Uh, you know, like it's, to point it's it out quite jocular, you understand, because you do usage. I, I see it's it's the it's the juxtaposition, if you will. Mm, quite. <laughs> Wow. Titillating. Again, I'm very uncomfortable when you guys break into characters without announcing it, because it makes me think we're losing the wall between the reality and the theater of the mind. It's rather jocular, isn't it? Mm, good show. A bit of sporting good fun. Maybe also maybe the first parents of Cambridge Glen. No, I'm not no. sure. I'm crazy. I'm, I'm about leaving. It. Jed, that's Jed's territory. Oxford Glen. Yeah, yeah no, sure, no. sure. But all that we to all say, know which of those schools is better. Mm. Mm. I don't. Starting I don't. But I'm sure some of our English listeners are deeply offended. <laughs> there you go. I'm not sure which ones on which side. We just like to are. stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> to that point, I like the idea of, and I think we can. I think we can put Glenn on the spot here and get some some good stuff here. Just okay. Glenn has been on ancient new episodes in the past but right. he hasn't probably listened too much this season just just free-flowing uh -huh. loose guy thinking uh -huh. just give us a few samples 
of you haven't listened to a podcast, right. but you know it's Lee and I talking about the Bible, and we you can drop the thing in on the end. Uh, it, it, but not. I think what we're looking for is uh, a, maybe a nugget of wisdom. Sure. Or well, philosophy. Well, right. often what you'll do on this show is kind of put a humorous spin on a theme mm-hmm, that we have mm-hmm. referenced earlier. So I'm just wondering how, how I'm, my thought experiment here is what does that look like when you haven't actually heard the product? Right. You've got the basics of it's Lee and I talking about the Bible. We're talking right. about parables. Right. And right, now right. you're going to try to do the, the summing up nugget of wisdom w- it, tied to what you think that may have gone like. Okay. Here's the problem I have. My first three or four ideas are horribly vulgar. So sure, sure. Sorting through those. <laughs> it's all part of the process. Sorting through sifting. Perfectly natural, a, perfectly healthy. Uh, uh, and, and a number of them involve uh, pants and spanking. But, sure, uh, we've sure. We've covered well, that. Well, what's your mind's on a track? Yeah, that's the thing is here. I'm really well, focused on Well, here's on. It's a bit of theater. Right? Yeah. I'll give you like the final 10 seconds of a bible discussion. Right. And then you jump in and button it. Okay. Right? All right. right. Okay. Like that's, that's good, that's good that's teamwork. Good. Yeah. And, you know, the good news is you and I are that coin. That's that's the point of what Jesus say. We're the coin. I want you to remember that this week. You're the coin God's looking for. And that's why I always wash my undercarriage. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. See, it's still vulgar. I really, that's about, I mean, depending on how you. Car- carriage really classed it up, I think. Yeah, no, sure. that's right. And it, it, it could be, it could be, uh, you know. If you have like equipment that has undercarriage sure, to it, sure. You know, like a, I hope that no one was on a treadmill. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna go and, flying off. I think right? the idea is the parable is about finding something that's important to you. It could be about proper maintenance, yeah, cleaning. Sure. So yeah. the undercarriage, the mind goes there naturally. That's do, right. Do you yeah. want to try take two? Sure. Let's, let's uh, yeah, get one but, more. Let's but one I'm more. not. I'm not promising to clean it up. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, we, mean, we, no one would expect it from you. <laughs> right. So this week Speaking we want to think meetings. <laughs> So this week, we want to think about, are we off in a distant land? Do we need to come home? Is there a party waiting for us? That's the thing I'd encourage you to think about this week. Jet's bird longs to consume human flesh. (laughs) (laughs) See? (laughs) Which is true. Totally. That's a a fact. And and the prodigal son story ends in a a feast. (laughs) Much like Jed's bird desires to feast on his Dorito-infused flesh. There you go. go. We're, We're giving people important information. I think we've got proof of concept here. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. I think um I think with the final caveats of be careful what you tweet at us. Yeah. Cuz yeah. uh we'll spend we'll, yeah, we'll pile true. nonsense upon nonsense and bring it into creation. Yeah. But I think with that warning we're ready to declare emergency off. Emergency mm-hmm. off. Emergency off. The other thing you'll get if you go to the ancient new. Normally, I don't think we're doing this during the. Uh, I don't think Lee's doing this during the Advent devotionals. As you normally end every episode, as we do with the, on this show with a song. Okay, That's from nice. uh, Lee's put normally a song that Lee's put out or when he's had the hand in production of. A lot of those come from Bridgebox. Ooh, ah. you can get in on that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. That's eight. You do, basically what happens is you donate eight dollars a month to the ministry we do up here in Chicago, and in turn, as a thank you gift, we give you a pack every month with Bible studies, guest devotionals, sermons 
songs all based around a topic. This month's topic is how do I handle my anxiety? Mm-hmm. So something mm-hmm. a lot of people deal with. We got Bible studies for you. We got sermons from Glenn and myself. We got songs that uh, Jed and Lee both put together to kind of help people out with that. We've actually talked to some friends of ours recently from around the world. That's right. Europe. You the may world. Have heard of it. <laughs> um, talking about, you know, I had a friend who went through a breakup and I remember there was a, a bridge box about kind of what to do if you get heartbroken. Uh, can you remind me of the link? And, oh, great, that's all great. I'm going to send her the songs. We're going to go through the Bible study together. So it's all good stuff. You get to keep it all, download, take it. But for only $8 a month, all of which goes to support the ministry we're doing right here in Chicago, on the jailhouse, on the street. You can't beat that deal anywhere. So missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right. I think uh, before you go straight to the wisdom, I think it's uh, a little bit disturbing that we all skated over the mention of the phrase Jed's Dorito infused flesh. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason the re- the reason uh, the three of us were not uh, perturbed by that is that may have come up in my sermon on Tuesday. So, <laughs> not a new phrase to yeah. the three of us up here in Chicago. I believe at the bridge on uh, Tuesday in the middle of my sermon, maybe after I made another joke that didn't go so well, I may have thrown Jed under the bus by describing him as eighty percent Mountain Dew. That's actually true. That did happen. It is true. And I came to the studio tonight to find several (laughs) bottles of Mountain Dew waiting for me in the fridge with a note from Gled saying, uh, for Jed, who is at times as much as 20% filled with the Holy Spirit. There you go. (laughs) See? I know how to be encouraging. Yeah, totally. That's That's good. I didn't know about that part. All right. We're going to go on to our first question here because I can't think of any jokes to top that. comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says... What's the deal with communion? And I will just point out, folks, we do occasionally say, you know, if you want to get your uh, question read, obviously we read them all in some order, but, you know, mention your Bridgebox subscriber, mention sucking up to us. Starting out with something so I can read it in Jerry Seinfeld cadence is also, also very helps. good. We totally do favoritism on this yeah. show. Yeah. What's the deal with communion? What's the deal? I recently visited a friend's church where they took communion, and I didn't do it because I realized I don't really understand what it means or why people do it. I've been to a church for years, and I feel like I should probably know about this. Can you explain what it is and why people do it, please? And Lee, can you start us off and basically just give us the basic uh, explanation here? Absolutely. Um, thanks for writing in. This is a great question, and and I know that uh, the the work that the work that I do down here with young folks and uh, and some stuff in the jailhouse, the work that these guys do in Chicago uh, in the jailhouse and with guys from the streets, we cover a lot of this kind of stuff, churchy stuff that if you haven't been in a church context, it seems super strange and weird. But and, and so just to have somebody kind of break it down and say, this is where this comes from. This is this is how to approach it. This is how to get your mind around it. So we love questions like this. Thanks for writing it in. But on on Jesus's last night on earth before he was arre- before his arrest and crucifixion, he had a dinner with his friends, with his disciples. And uh, at this dinner, they were celebrating the Jewish Passover feast. And at one point in the meal, he stood up and he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he took a cup of wine and he offered it and poured it. And he said that this bread is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And this blood, this this wine is my blood, which is poured out for the new covenant. And he said, um, he, and the word covenant is just a real fancy Bible word that means it's a new deal. I'm making a deal with you. And the deal that, that I'm making you and that God is making with you is I am going to die on the cross for all of your, all the penalty of your wrong. I'm going to pay for everything so that every single thing that stood between us, all of your sin, all of your wrong, all of your guilt, shame, all of that stuff, 
All of those barriers are henceforth completely de demolished. I pay for everything. It's going to cost you nothing. You can freely come to me, and we are going to have this new relationship. And in describing this new deal, the deal where Jesus pays for everything, and you just get to accept it as a free gift, like a birthday present. In describing that, he instituted this meal. He said, so I'm, gonna, I'm breaking this bread and I'm offering it to you to remind you that my body was broken for you. And I'm offering this cup and so that when you drink it, you would remember this is my blood poured out for you. He was giving them, a, he instituted a way for them to remember it and commemorate it like a ceremony. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this and then you're going to keep doing it. And we know that the, that the early church did this because Paul talks about it in his, in his instructions to churches. And so this was a, this was a ceremony that they kept going. Jesus said, whenever you do this, do this to remember me and to remember that I am making this deal with you. I pay for everything. You pay for nothing. I think it's really interesting that Jesus commemorated a ceremony involving so many of our five senses. You know that we that we you smell the wine or the grape juice in, in some places and you you taste this bread and you and 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 you remember what Jesus did for you on such a sensory level that that he wants you to not forget about this but to keep to keep this fresh in your heart and in your mind that he's paid for everything and you get to receive it as a complete and total free gift. That's really fantastic uh explanation to start us off with and Glenn if I can get you to kind of uh bring it into that another phrase that people may use about this kind of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing about stuff like this. And Lee gave a very good, simple definition of that. And, but over the centuries, obviously churchy stuff gets added. Yeah. So when you go to church the first time, it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of like everybody else is speaking a code language. You don't really yeah. know. And you'll hear something like the Eucharist. Yeah. Like and it's, it's really important. Uh, uh, it's, it's a great point that you're making there. Uh, as you throw it over to me, it's important for people hearing this podcast, for people who may have stuff in church that they're not familiar with, it's important for you to not feel like you're the weird yeah, one. totally. We do a bad job as the church yeah. of explaining this stuff. It's always hard to, to, to tell, does everybody know what this is so we can just right. go forward, or, or do we really need to explain it and whatever? Uh, and we're constantly urging pastors to, to urge on the side of, uh, uh, to err on the side of uh, over-explaining. Don't start in the middle is your phrase for that. Exactly right. Um, uh, another word we use for communion is Eucharist, and it's a really uh, good uh, word to know. Um, it's a it's a, a, a two-part uh, Greek, well, it comes from a two-part Greek word. Uh, Eucharisto it means uh, I give thanks. Uh, what you have there is two parts. The first part is a little EU for you at the at the beginning of that. So that just means good. So you think of eulogies, you say something nice. If you mm. think of euphemism, if you think of uh, you know in, in you know uh, anything with that EU mm. um, prefix in English means something mm. good. Charis uh, 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 means grace. That's a, that's a Greek word for the for grace that we translate uh, into the English word uh, of grace. Uh, it's a it's kind of a broad word. Kairi uh, T uh, means charity, so that's uh, uh, closely connected with this word uh, for grace. Uh, uh, but when we put you Karisto together, I give thanks. What we're saying is. There's this grace part of this, but we're saying, we're talking about how good it is, yeah. which if you put those two ideas together, 
that would be giving thanks. That would be, yeah. I am thankful for Celebrating grace. Celebrating that grace is good. Exactly. Uh, I, uh, it be, you know, it, it, it's good for me to receive grace, and, and I'm blessed, and so I'm thankful. You mm-hmm. know, that's the, uh, this, the Thanksgiving part. Uh, uh, and and we, we would put that together then with what Lee is saying. So we're thankful that Jesus laid his life down and in order to establish that new covenant, that mm-hmm. new agreement between God and man. Um, so you put all three of those together, that's the beginning and end of, of what a communion is all about. It's no more complicated than that. Uh, now, there are different styles to that. You know, some people do a little... Uh, wafers or little kind of crackery looking things to, un- to, to simulate sort of the unleavened bread of the Old Testament you might heard of, just bread that isn't hasn't risen. Uh, so uh, it's really more of a your cracker kind of matzah kind of thing there. And some churches do that. Some churches do like a hunk of bread and you tear off a hunk of bread and I always get an extra large piece. Just well, you got to. Because I, I want to I do it to the max. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, and maybe you need a little extra. <laughs> exactly. I definitely need a little extra. Uh, some, some churches do a little teeny tiny cup full of grape juice. Some churches uh, gross us all out super, super hardcore and do one common cup where they, everyone slurps out of the same cup, which stop it. Just stop it. Um, but, uh, but, uh, 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 all of those are the same thing. That's yeah. not like one's official and accepted and one is not. It's just yeah. different styles. Um, uh, we were talking about, uh, baptism, some dunk, some sprinkle, same difference here. That's, it's just different churches have different ways of doing that, but it's all the same uh, type of deal. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, Chad, I'd like you to, you to close out on this with the idea. I think these, these guys both did a really great job giving us an overview in general. Can you talk about kind of from the other end, what what is communion meant to be and should it be for the individual believer? Like, why do we do this? That's a great question, man. It's all about remembering. One of the things that, that comes up from the Lord in the Old Testament and the New Testament both again and again and again is remember. Mm-hmm. Remember what I've done for you. Remember who I've been to you. Remember who you are to me. Remember, yeah. remember, remember. Really if, you, if you don't remember, you're going to have problems. I mean, the funny thing is that's even true in human relationships. The reason, you know, if you're married or you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, the reason you celebrate an anniversary is to remember. Yeah. To remind each other who this other person is to you, to, to remember. So you've, you've heard Glenn and, and Lee both give you a very... Um, a good explanation of all this. To put the message of communion in very simple terms, Jesus is saying, anyone who wants a fresh start, come to me and have one. If you want a clean slate, if you want a fresh start, it's done. Come to me and it's done. So the thing we're trying to remember in that moment is that's what Jesus offers me. And then the question is, where in my life today do I need a fresh start? Salvation is a one-time thing. You you go, you, you get saved that's that's done, that's taken care of. But the idea of needing a fresh start, that's an ongoing thing. The, the idea of, you know what, I've made a mess of this area of my life. I'd like to start over in that area of my life. I'd like, I'd like to do something new in this area of my life. That's an ongoing thing. That, that can be, you can do that tomorrow. You can do that right now. And that's a lot of what communion offers is a chance to remember, God offers me a fresh start. He offers me a new beginning. Yes, that's that's true of my salvation, but that's also true of tomorrow. And and are there areas in my life where I need that fresh start? Are there areas in my life where I need a clean slate, where I need a new beginning? And and this moment is a reminder that God wants to give that to me. 
that God's heart is towards me, that he wants to give me what I need to live out that fresh start, that clean slate, and that new beginning. But I just want to encourage you. You heard Lee say this. You heard Glenn say this. We love the fact that you're asking, what do these things mean? And the thing we want to encourage you to do is more of that and to be asking, what do they mean for me? What do they mean for my life and my situation? Because there's great stuff there and a lot of strength and encouragement and inspiration to be found in them. I would absolutely agree with all of that, especially that last part of... and it also gives you a model for the type of questions we're asking and the type of responses you want. As Glenn was kind of pointing to, there's a lot of stuff about communion that if you ask maybe a pastor or a, a, write into somebody's blog or whatever, you say, what's the deal with communion? You might get a lot of, well, here's the right way to do it and here's why and it's super important and pro-transubstantiation, anti-transubstantiation, you know, pro, we, we do it this way because, you know, tear the bread and put it in the chalice and those cracker don't get me started on those cracker people <laughs> right. the, that's not really not particularly the question you want to be asked it's certainly not the connection you want to get what does it mean to me yeah why is this a thing and as ever in really any area of life particularly religious stuff if you ask someone well why is it this way and their answer is it's just that way yeah that's a pretty crappy answer we got to dig a little deeper on that because either they don't know which is a little worrisome but can be accurate, as Glenn was pointing out, with very traditional stuff like communion. If you go to someone now and say, you know, okay, you are you go to a Lutheran church, you go to a Presbyterian church, why do you do communion this way? The answer on some level is going to be because that, that's the way Lutherans do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, there's probably a story and some reasons, and they give you a mm-hmm. catechism about why they do it. But the bottom line is, even if I, as the pastor of this church, thought this was super stupid, we should do it another way, as long as it says Lutheran denomination here on the outside of the ball— this is part of the way we do it, and that's just kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Tradi- yeah. Church tradition is a thing. You may mm-hmm. you may occasionally catch a vibe that none of the people on this show are super into it, but some yeah. people are, and that's that's just great. Yeah. But the question is, what does this mean to me? What does this individually yeah. mean to me? And one thing we all these guys have uh, hinted at, we want to make sure super clear. Much like when we had a discussion of baptism a couple of weeks ago, trans uh, trans communion has nothing to do with salvation. Nope. It's not that's an right. indicator that's of salvation. Right. It's not a requirement for salvation. You, If you go to churches, some have like different, let's say, you know, we're going to offer communion. And if you're a member at the church, only come up and do communion. If you're um, only if you made a decision for Christ, come up and do communion. That, again, that's all their prerogative. And there are right. good reasons to do it that way versus other ways. But none of this is if you're, you know, if you, if you got a cousin who's not quite saved and you get them up there to take communion, it's not going to be magical. If you go to a church that for whatever reason doesn't really put a focus on communion and you work the third Saturday, the third Sunday of the month, most time that's the communion and you've never really gotten into it. Doesn't mean anything about your walk. Mm -hmm. Much like in our discussion of baptism, it's a good thing. There's a reason, you know, that God wants us to do There's a reason Jesus mentioned specifically. So it's something we want to look at, but not a salvation issue on any way, shape or form. Anybody gives you either side of that. We definitely want to get stepping on that. Yeah. All right, so move on to our next segment here. We've got another interview for you guys. This is a guy out of South Florida named Rob Robbins, and he is the founder of the radio network Call FM. The reason we want to reach out and talk to Rob is it's a really cool story, as you'll hear him lay out here, about seeing a need and responding, kind of getting a, a vision from the Lord about this is a thing we should do. In his case, that's starting a youth-oriented Christian radio station in South Florida. And then the reality of getting something started and the perseverance that took and what it looks like to, we get a lot of questions about, you know, calling and purpose. And this is a case of what that looks like kind of in the mess of it. So it's a very cool thing. So we're going to take that interview right now. 
So Rob, appreciate you joining me. And I uh, was saying kind of before we started here, uh, the amazing thing about starting a radio station that people may not understand kind of in a digital, a blog, podcasty kind of world is it's not a simple process. So what kind of, how long was it from the idea of Call FM to actually getting on the air? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. We actually started uh, back in 1994 as um, I, I kind of had a vision to have a radio station that would would reach people in my generation at the time and point them to Christ. We did not have anything like that in our area, and that was about the time that, if you recall, the lead singer of the uh, band Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, had committed suicide, and we just saw the amount of uh, importance that people in our generation put in somebody like that and to see them basically throw their life away like that um, in the reaction, we thought there's got to be something more that we can do. And so we had been doing a, a, a three-hour-a-week program on, a, on the campus station at the University of Miami. And uh, we thought, well, we put so much effort into this. Why couldn't we have something that was full-time that would reach a lot more people and uh, so we started working on it. And then in 1994, we actually uh, kind of shared the vision with a friend and said, yeah, I got this crazy idea, but I, I really think that we ought to start a full-time station. And my, my friend was like, yeah, well, let's, let's do this. Let's get some people together, everybody that we knew that had anything to do about music. And uh, he had a surf store where they uh, make surfboards. And he said, let's get everybody to meet here. We'll get musicians. We'll get anybody that we can think of to uh, meet together here. And we will get this thing planned. We'll come up with a name. And we'll uh, have some spaghetti dinners, and we'll uh, get this thing on the air in about six months. And so it was, it was, uh, it was pretty uh, a lot more harder than we thought it was going to be. We started to invite all these people to this this first meeting. And um, after we had all these people coming, I started to talk to some people who were actually experts in the field, some uh, engineers that would actually uh, maybe find us a frequency, find us a station to be able to get on the air. And they pretty much said, there's, there's no way this is going to happen. You're, you're crazy. There's, there's no frequencies left in South Florida. And we'd be happy to take, take your money and do studies, but I don't mean to rain on your parade, but it's just not going to happen. And uh, I got a second opinion, and uh, we pretty much got the same story from another uh, expert. And so I, I talked to my friend. I said, look, you know, we've already talked to the experts now. We know this, is, this can't happen. It's impossible. It was a good idea. And he said, you know what, Rob? If this is something that God wants to happen, then he's going to open up all the doors to make it happen. And I said, oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about God. <laughs> Listen, that's a big part of the equation. So anyways, we met, and uh, just a bunch of uh, 20-somethings um, and even some younger guys uh, that were college students at the time, and we met at this, the floor of the surfboard store across from the University of Miami. It was next to a pizza shop, and uh, we started to lay down the groundwork during the summer of 1994 for uh, this radio station, everything that we had ever dreamed of having in a radio station, and we formed our nonprofit organization. We formed our board of directors. We formed, uh, just put everything down on paper, all of our vision, and uh, started working on it. And we met throughout that summer. And then uh, towards the fall, we actually uh, found an engineer that would say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look. There's probably little chance that we can do anything. But he ended up looking and actually finding a frequency that we would be able to use. It was far out of town. It was, it was probably uh, 30, 40 miles away uh, down in the Florida Keys from Miami. And we thought, well, this, this might be an opportunity. And so we decided that we would apply for that frequency. And then uh, it was, there were other groups that also found the same frequency that was supposed to be impossible, and they applied for it as well. And so between uh, 1994 
1999, we uh, pretty much prayed, we waited, we uh, we kept our vision alive. We put out newsletters uh, talking about how this could happen. You know, it could be right around the corner in six months or, or whatever. We raised money, we uh, spread the vision, we did Christian concerts and uh, things like that. We also, you know, I mentioned we prayed a lot. There were some uh, some other broadcasters, one in particular that uh, was filing applications around the country. And we didn't have uh, as much on the internet back then to look up, but I, I would look at broadcasting magazines at the library at University of Miami, and, and I saw that this organization was applying, and they had applied for frequencies in the Key Largo area and uh, in another area. And so I got in touch and found out that this person was a, you know, a, a professional broadcaster that owned radio stations, and the, the kind of the ministry was to go out and plant new radio stations in different areas. And so we, uh, we connected, we talked, and then uh, for about the next four or five years, we just prayed. We prayed for this whole list of, uh, of different options that might possibly become, uh, it might turn into something that might actually become the radio station that we were envisioning. And then uh, in 1999, we, we uh, got a phone call kind of out of the blue from this person that we had met and, and talked to, you know, four or five years previous and said, look, we've got our station on the air in the Florida Keys. We are looking now that we, we want to sell it to a Christian group to be able to uh, start the station. And then we want to be able to build our other stations in other parts of the country. And so we kind of knew right there that was our opportunity. That was uh, the, the door that got and opened up. And so for the next eight months uh, between uh, May and February of uh, 2000, I uh, pretty much spent all my time uh, getting on the phone early in the morning, uh, calling people, asking, uh, would you support this radio station that didn't yet exist, and uh, explain who we were, and then, you know, if, if they knew of anybody we could contact. So it was kind of just building that grassroots effort to really uh, to really find the, the funds to be able to do this, this project that we had been praying about for uh, almost six years. And then uh, February the 9th of the uh, the year 2000, we were actually able to, to uh, hit the start button on, on the radio station and turn it on. And so that was just an amazing night to see something that was completely impossible uh, come to fruition after six years of, of being told that it was absolutely impossible. And, uh, you know, to fill in the story, uh, currently the, the call radio station covers the whole Miami-Dade metro area. We are got an expansion project to uh, double our power in southeast Florida. We're currently on the west coast of Florida now with a station that covers the metro area of Fort Myers. We're covering the Naples area. Um, we've, we've got areas in the Florida Keys that we're currently building stations as well. So uh, what was uh, supposed to be impossible, and it took a while, um, you know, God definitely opened up the door, and there's, there's, there's much more opportunities still ahead. So that's, that's kind of the uh, story of Call of Him in a nutshell. That's wild. That's um, such an amazing story. I guess the first question that leaps to mind about kind of the overall things, you talk about that six years of praying and reaching out, um, you know, fundraising, which is never an easy process. Uh, even if you have something that's currently up and running, fundraising can be a pretty daunting thing. Sure. I'm, I'm sure in those six years, you and the other people who are putting call together had moments of uh, enough people have told us this is impossible and it feels impossible. So starting to look that way, what, what, what happened to those moments? What did you, what did you get from the Lord in those moments? What did you get in that community in those moments to, um, keep it going with, you know, you're five years in and you don't have a station on the air. You know, we, we never actually reached that point where we thought, you know, it's it's time to give this up. Um, there, there's just enough of that, you know, I don't know, like that carrot on the stick ahead of you or just that glimmer of hope that never went away. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were young at the time. And if you look throughout the, throughout the Bible, I mean, 
you kind of look at it in hindsight, God is always using people that are completely unqualified, uh, people that are too young, people that can make any excuse possible, and he chooses to use those people. And so I think God chose us because we were at that point in time where, you know, we were young guys, we were bachelors, we didn't have girlfriends, wives, or anything like that, or families. Um, and we were in a, a you know time where we could we could t- pretty much devote all that time. But I remember having uh, we started off as kind of like a Manila folder from the FCC and a couple of binders that uh, just turned into uh, taking over part of my closet at my apartment. <laughs> and then eventually it was you know half my closet of, of of things. We started to you know we did Christian concerts and and uh, and events and things like that. And it just uh, started to. Uh, it really just started to grow, and you know, it's what's funny was we were, we were uh, just talking about this the other day. We uh, did a couple kind of visionary banquets, is what we called them, where we'd have maybe uh, twenty-five or fifty people that would come out and uh, would hear our story about the radio station and uh, eat some good food. Maybe that was maybe that was why they came. Never heard. But we we got some uh, people up on the stage, uh, some really good friends, and we said we're going to kind of uh, have this skit or this uh, sketch. And we're going to pretend that we're looking uh, into the future. And at the point in the future, we're actually going to be looking back to that day that, that Call of Him went on the air. And so this is, uh, in reality, in real time, this was, you know, five years before uh, Call of Him actually became a radio station. But the whole idea of that, that sketch or that skit was, uh, hey, I remember the day that the call went on the air. And it was almost funny because we knew how hard it would be if this would even, you know, come to reality. We were talking about in the future as if it had happened and we were looking back on it. And, you know, here we are 15 years after the actual you know, it, it coming to fruition and, uh, you know, things like that, that, you know, we just kind of had, um, this kind of joy that we had, you know, trusting that God was going to, um, make things happen, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of strange, but, you know, we didn't really hit that point where, uh, where we, you know, we thought we, you know, we needed to give it up. That's fantastic. That's, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And I appreciate your time so much. I'd like to kind of get, as we're closing out here, kind of two last questions. Sure. Absolutely. One, one kind of goes all the way back to, why why radio stations specifically why music you know when people think the Kurt Cobain thing I think is such an interesting um, observation about how seriously people music affects people but when you're looking for a way to reach out kind of to youth what what was the thing in your mind that said it's got to be music you know it's a good question you know I think music is important it definitely uh, connects with people um, and I think it affects uh, everybody differently um you know i have I have a young daughter that you know she's a uh, 15 months now and you just turn on just a little bit of music even if it's in the background and she starts dancing you know she mm. it just like it just takes her over and that's that's pretty amazing um you know there there i remember in high school you know there were kids that would sit in chemistry class and they would just write down like they would just their music you know it was metallic at the time or, or whatever they would kind of draw the pictures and they would just write down the lyrics and you know when they ran out of paper they start writing on their t-shirt or something and uh you know it's just amazing to see how much that um affects them as well um you know we'll play songs on the radio now where you know we don't really think anything of it it's just another song yet somebody will hear something that really catches them at a point in their life where they're at and really kind of speaks to them and they'll you know context say, what is that song i heard it and uh, it said this, and we're going through trying to figure out what song was it, you know, that really touched that one person. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a good question. And music, I, I think it reaches a lot of people in, in different ways. It's very personal. Um, you know, and the other thing, as far as radio goes, what we're starting to really um, discover, and it has to do with a lot of what's going on in the radio industry. You see radio stations starting to become more, um, more consolidated. You've got competition from things like uh, Pandora, 
um, from some of the other uh, inter- internet streaming sites. You've got iHeartRadio, um, and there, there's just so much out there now. And you've got you know tons of things um, that are on the internet as well. And um, it kind of makes you question, you know, like what is radio? And, and you see a lot of radio stations will actually have their staffs consolidated where they're broadcasting from a, a central location, you know, out of state. And there's uh, they've kind of lost that whole local thing. And what we found is that radio, it can be really powerful. It can it can uh, create community. It can make a, a connection with people where you build a relationship with that person uh, that you hear on the air. You know, they're there in the, the car with you. They're they're pretty much doing life with you. Um, and it, it means a lot when that's local as well. And so at, at the call, you know, music is is really important, but also just the whole aspect of of there, there's some power to radio where it has the ability to connect. Um, you know, back in the back in the golden age of radio before TV, you know, people would sit around the radio, and it was you know the centerpiece of the uh, the room or whatever. And uh, I think there's there's something there. We're really trying to kind of rediscover that at the call. We've gotten involved locally in the communities that we're at. We've done local high school football games. We've uh, done some community programs and pretty much looked at radio as being a spotlight that we can just shine on on, on the good things that are already going on. Um, and so it's uh, we're, we're we're kind of going the opposite direction as far as a, as a radio station here um, at the call. But uh, I think radio and music, there's that combination where you've got when I mean, you put the two together. I think it's something that's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. The last thing I'd love to get you to share with us is we we actually have a a, a a segment in our bridge service called the one thing I'd tell him, where we get uh, one of the guys who's maybe a little further along in his his walk to kind of we have a question for the night and we say if, if you had to break it down to one main thing. That is you, someone who is on the other side of this, would uh, tell a person who's just starting out, what would that be? I'd love you to get, us, get you to give us kind of a one thing I'd tell them. On, as you've, you've talked about, that overall idea of someone who, there's someone listening right now who has an idea for something. It may not be a radio station. It may be a project, an art thing, a blog, whatever. And there's just that voice in their head saying, but... You know, for example, you're a marine biology student at the University of Miami. Why would you That's start right. a radio station? What's what's if you could give that person one thing to say, here's just one bit of wisdom I would give you to carry you through this. What would that be? Yeah, I think you just have to be really just be afraid uh, to not to not take that leap. You know, mm. I, I think um, maybe for the moment um, for us. Uh, we uh, were, were planning this very first event. We had kind of kept everything under wraps, you know, just to make sure we were really sure we wanted to do this. And I remember having like probably like 200 envelopes that were invitations for like our first uh, event where we were going to really announce this and tell people. And I remember like kind of holding it there for a second before I dropped it, the whole bundle like into one of those blue uh, postal service mailboxes. And I was like, "This is it," you know. It's just like. Yeah. You can't, you can't reach back in and grab them out after this or, or return them. Um, and so I, I think there comes that point where you just have to, uh, you just have to, when you're sure, you just kind of have to take that jump or whatever. But um, when you find that one thing where you feel like this is really what God wants you to do, where you know, this is something that you are, you are that person um, that, you know, there, there are some days where I think, man, I don't, I don't think anybody else could do what I'm doing. And it's mm-hmm. not because we're doing something amazing. It's because, it's hard, you know, yeah. it's like, I think anybody else if in their right mind would run away from this and would uh, just throw it in and, and have common sense and, and give it up. But, uh, you know, I think in some senses, you know, God is kind of, uh, when he chooses someone to do something, we'll kind of give them that strength and that, that vision and that power to, uh, to carry it out. And so, you know, a lot of times you're, you're, you know, you may not be paid to do something. It, there may be a great cost, 
but you kind of have to find that one thing where, 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 you know, it's what God wants you to do. You have to take that leap. And then, uh, it's the, the, the payoff for that is that, that you'll do it even if you're not getting paid and you just, you, you have the satisfaction and that's, uh, it's hard to describe, but, um, that's what I would you know, definitely encourage someone that feels like there's something that they think they ought to be doing is to, to really be sure. And then, and then to, to go for it. All right, so we hope you enjoyed that. It's very cool to talk to Rob. We really appreciate him taking the time there. If you want to find that out and you can't, and you can't, even if you're not in the South Florida area, you can stream all their stuff. There are many stations. That's callfm, all one word, dot com. So go ahead and check that out. We really appreciate Rob talking to us. So as we, uh, as we listen to the interview here, as we always do in silence, yes. staring at each other <laughs> for the entire duration, um, we it jumped out that we, maybe a couple, there were a couple things we wanted to talk about off the back end of that. And the main one I wanted to get these guys to kind of give us their short take on is this idea of knowing something is the thing you're supposed to do and persevering in that when you're not seeing the outcome. As you heard in the interview, Rob's talking about it's six years between we all sat down in the surf shop and said, this is a thing we should do, Yeah, which that's a real Florida sentence, folks. But we all sat down in the surf shop, said Christian radio station. Yeah, that's that's what it has to be. We're doing that now. Six years from that to getting on air. And uh, that's really not the, an anomaly. No. That's way right. closer to the rule, sure. especially with starting something new. So, Jen, maybe I can start us on this. Just what's the takeaway kind of we, we do, as I mentioned, Rod, there, we occasionally do a segment of the bridge, kind of a one thing I'd tell them yeah. of someone who they know they're real sure this is something, a good thing to do, something they want to do, and they're not seeing the, uh, the immediate results. I think it's a one-two combo. I think the principal thing is don't give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Never, ever give up. If you refuse to give up, you can't be stopped. Mm -hmm. I mean, if God has something he's calling you to do, the only person who can stop you is you. Um, So don't give up. But the second thing, and this is what Rob pointed to in the interview, is ask, what can we do in the meantime? As we're right. waiting for God to work these things out, what what can we do in the meantime? For them, that was, well, look, we're waiting on the FCC. Um, we're waiting on licensure. We're waiting on engineering surveys. You know, we can put on Christian concerts in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what didn't come in that interview, but if you're listening to this, you should know, is Rob is a personal friend of mine and had so much impact on my faith and walk when I was a teenager. Mm. I was at every one of those Christian concerts. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing today. I wouldn't have the love for Christian music that I have today if it wasn't for Rob Robbins. And specifically, mm. if it wasn't for him saying, okay, the main thing I'm trying to do is taken forever. I'm not going to give up on that, but what can I do that's connected to that in the meantime that moves mm. that along? Yeah. God used, God is using Rob's work in incredible ways, but God used Rob's meantime work to change mm. my life. Mm. Um, and so that's yeah. that's the thing for all of us is we got the thing that we're called to. Don't ever give up on that. It's going to take a while. Don't give up. Keep doing. But what can we be doing today in the meantime, recognizing God can use that meantime stuff just as much as that main event thing? That's a great point. That points to something that maybe I'd like to get Guns talks about here, which is um, the fear of failure. And that yeah. one of the things that allows you to look for things to do in the meantime is, in Rob's very particular case, just because we're waiting for FCC licensure and we don't have it yet, th- you can be tempted to write this whole project off as a failure. Right. Or you can find something else yeah. to do. And I think part of what plays into that kind of which of those mindsets you pick there is how defined you are and how afraid you are of failure and how that can really cripple something. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, part of what you were asking him in that interview is, uh, did you see this as a failure given that 
it wasn't a thing. It, we're five and a half years in, and there's zero percent radio. You know, does that does that mean failure? And of course, it doesn't. As he said, you know, there was incremental uh, victories along the way. But I, I think a lot of people. Um, we were kind of talking about this in our ministry staff meeting. A lot of people want to conceive of a project that is so brilliant that you execute it and it works perfectly the first yep. time. Yep. This really doesn't happen ever in history. Uh, you're much better off thinking, let me try this and learn along the way. You know, I, I know I'm against the odds. I know I'm uphill all the way. All the way. Um, you know, what I want to look at is where are my weaknesses and how can I build those up and how can I work on that and who do I need to talk to and all those kinds of things. Real quick, my dad was uh, an aerospace engineer. He worked uh, 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 on contracts uh, for NASA. Uh, He helped build, in fact, he led the team that built the, the, the refrigerator for the space shuttle. And they, they, uh, I was there the day when they were doing the final testing. They're going to box it up and send the prototype to NASA, not the actual machine that's going to go on the shuttle, but the, the prototype that they had built. And uh, he, uh, he was describing what was going to happen next. And he said, literally, they take this thing and they cook it, then they freeze it, then they you know, hook it up to electrodes and shock it. Then they get shoot radiation at it. Then some big dude comes in there with a hammer and just bashes on it. And he said, and he was not at all kidding, no joke. At the end of the test, they push it off a five-story building. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And, it, and I said, are there a lot of five-story buildings in space? <laughs> that was my exact question here. You know, and uh, and what are the odds that you're not going to have any? Freon leaking out of this compressor after a five-story fall. I mean, we got to talk about what's reasonable. And he said, no, you see, you don't understand. The point is not to have 0% failure. The point is to understand at what point it fails. Everything yes. fails at awesome. some point. Yes. But if the if the point of failure is is way out in a, in, in a certain realm or whatever, then that's okay. You know that within these tolerances, you're fine. But if I see a failure that's 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 uh, uh, you know on some of these shorter tests, on these more mild tests, then I know I have something that I need to fix. Sure. I need that information. I need them to beat it up so that gives me the data for me to improve the design. So I'm not trying to avoid failure because failure is giving me the feedback I need on this. That's the attitude we have towards ministry. I think that's a big key to accomplishing big things like this. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I think it ties into, to build off that, this idea that a lot of Christian stuff has, that's not true, is rarely something you're saying there, that not only should things work the first time if they're good, but if God wants me to do them, then that, how much easier will that be? Right. right I know right. this is the godly dating relationship because it doesn't take any work. I know this is a job God wants me to have because it was one interview and they hired me, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how I know. And Lee, it turns out that's super wrong. So maybe can you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, I, exactly as you're saying, a lot of times we feel like if God is in it, then it's just going to be smooth. <laughs> and I think the, 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 the really cool thing about you know, uh, Rob's story is just that God was all over this thing and it was rife with challenges and struggles and, and, you know, road, 
roadblocks, speed bumps, the whole thing. It still requires a ton of problem solving. It still requires a ton of perseverance. It still has a lot of difficulties and, and you know, temptation to bail out at, at all times. And yet God was in it the whole time. So, you know, when you face, when you face, you know, hiccups and challenges and, and failures and obstacles and stuff like that, that doesn't mean that God is not a part of it. It's, it's, you know, when, when, uh, when, when I was doing like, you know, songwriting in college and writing songs about my faith and, and scriptures and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and you have these dreams about what you hope it's going to be. And you feel like God, you know, I felt like God was, was leading me to write this stuff. And I met Jed through, uh, my relationship with Glenn and, you know, he started helping me work on music together. And we, we, you know, we made an album and we put it on iTunes and nothing, you know, and you're just like, it's so the, the temptation to be discouraged is humongous. You know, there were no shows off of it. There's no radio play off of it and everything. And we made another one and nothing, you know, and we, and we kept, we did that for years. And then all of a sudden we have uh, through you know through all these different things. We have the idea of Bridgebox. We have the idea of these podcasts. And all this all this kind of stuff is happening. And now we're it's 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 not that the music is making all this money, but it's going all over the world and encouraging people in their walk. And the amount of music that we're producing, I never could have envisioned the stuff that we're doing. But if you if you look at the if you look at the discouragements and the challenges and assume that God isn't in it because of those things, then you can you can miss the thing that he's leading you into, which you can't even envision, which winds up being a really, really, really cool Amen. thing. That's a lot of great points. And again, we want to th- say thanks to Rob for giving us uh, his time. That was a little, really fun chat. And I think we all got some cool stuff out of that. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says, I realize that I have no desire to follow God, pick up my cross or have him be in total control of my life. Hmm. I know that it will lead to a life of joy and fulfillment, but it sounds like suffering and giving up fun stuff. Am I not a Christian anymore? I do want Jesus in my life and hear what he has to say, but I don't know if I can give him the reins. What does a day-to-day Christian life look like? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing at each and every moment? And Glenn, maybe you can start us off on this. Uh, Are you a Christian anymore? Yes. Yep. And uh, I'll go a step further and say you're my kind of Christian. Sure. I like I like the honesty here. I believe in the blog. I went uh, I went a step further and said you're the only kind of Christian. Right. It's just whether you're willing to admit it or not. Yeah. Uh, I, exactly. I I, I I I like all this. It's good honesty here. Uh, uh, some 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 struggles that I personally can easily relate to. Uh, yeah. No problems there. Um, uh, if we're if we want to tackle this from a theological standpoint, and really, why would you? Uh, but if you if you did, I think you would say that uh, theologically, being a Christian is about making a commitment to making Jesus your Lord. You're accepting His forgiveness. Uh, you you're confessing your sins. You're accepting forgiveness. And you're saying, I want you to be Lord of my life. You're making a a, a decision. I want you on the throne. I want you to make the decisions and so forth. Is Jesus making those decisions in your life completely from that moment forward? Of course not. That's, yeah. that's yeah. not happening for anyone. Yeah. It's a process, you see. So I'm committing to the process at the beginning, and uh, Jesus is in charge of 0.0% of percent of my life yeah. at that point. Uh, and then I say, well, here's a change I need to make. 
and I know it, and it's in the Bible, and you've told me you're giving me a nudge, and it's kicking my butt. So I'm going to give up this sin, mm -hmm. even though it's totally gel delicious and makes me super happy. <laughs> but you're, I want you to be in control, Lord. I want you your way, not my mm -hmm. way. So I'm going to give you this thing. That At that point, it's about... Uh, 1% of my life is now under God's control. Sure, sure. Um, so we, we're we making a series of decisions over time to give God more and more control uh, over more and more of our attitude and our perspective. I am nowhere near the end of that process, so I can fully relate to what it is that you're talking about here. Uh, the, the other thing, and I'll send it around to, to these guys, is... Um, what you're describing is is a process I'm very familiar with, where I it's a sort of a cycle where I go to the Lord and say I want to have this thing that I'm doing that you're telling me you don't want me to do, but I like it and it feels mm -hmm. good and it's wonderful and it's fantastic and I want it. And he's saying, yeah, but it's making you miserable and it's ruining your life and it's destroying things and hurting relationships and blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, yeah, despite all the destru destruction to it, I want it anyway. Yeah. Give me it. And make it be okay for me to have it, even though if he made it okay for me to have it, it'd still be making me miserable. What yeah. would be the advantage? Uh, so I'm basically campaigning for something stupid now. Sure. <laughs> with no shame whatsoever. Give me that that I can have this. And then the Lord comes into that situation and gently and lovingly says, no, it's your choice, but I do, if you're asking me, I do not want this for you. And then I say, I will give this thing up that's driving me nuts and ruining my life for you to make you happy. <laughs> I'm going to mostly resent it, but I'm going to give it up. Then I give it up. Here's what happens. Everything's better. Yep. Everything, yep. And, and there's joy, and there's peace, and there's a thing, and everything's wonderful. And I and and, and God was so 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 right about mm -hmm. this thing. And I admit it, and I say, "You're right, Lord. I should have listened to you from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I should have done this way sooner." Whatever. And then, and then, the Lord says. Okay, here's the next thing. I'm like, oh, no, you can't ask me. Oh, God, it, the whole thing goes back over. I, I learned nothing from the last yeah. time. Yep. Each one of those is, you would think at some point you just, there's a level of trust or whatever. Yeah. But there, you know, uh, for me, uh, I don't know that I'm at that place. I, I'm still wrestling with these things, and it's still hard for me to give things up to the Lord. I think that's true for most people out there. Absolutely right, and I think that really is the crux of this question. And Leah, I'd like you to speak to this kind of. Um, there is a sense that there's a lot of honesty in this question, which we like. It's actually very, bears a lot of um, similarity to the types of questions we get at the bridge, mm -hmm. which are a lot of. Oh, I know the right thing to do. Sure I'm do not it. unclear on that. I just have some combination of not knowing if I can do it and not wanting to do it. But the, the one of the key things we try to do at the bridge, what Glenn calls defanging, and Leah love to get you to take a crack at this and this question is that's actually not only fine, that's entirely normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that the thing is is I, I'm exactly like Glenn on this, is that uh what you know, as I read through your question, I'm like this sounds like me about every Wednesday. <laughs> which the, right. just so y'all know, Thursday's my day off, so about Wednesday, 
I could write this question every single time, which is, I want everyone to leave me alone. I want to throw my phone as hard as I can. I want to be in the fetal position on the couch with mass amounts of chocolate. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do anything Jesus is asking me to do. I'm tired. I'm cranky. Everybody leave me alone. So, I I mean, I'm like high five on the whole thing. The, the, The deal is, is that... Your your walk with Jesus, it's not just that you have signed up to give your allegiance to, uh, you know, a set of things that you, you know, a set of religious principles that you're, that you're believing in. It's not just that you're giving your allegiance to a king or whatever. You are in a relationship yeah. with a person. And here's the thing. It's just like every other relationship in your life. Sometimes, you know... When you're like like in a in a friendship that you're in, sometimes you're really feeling that friendship, and you don't want to do anything but be around that person. Sometimes, even if it's your best friend, sometimes you're like, "You have got to leave me alone. I'm gonna kill you. Um, go away. I can't. If I if I hear your laugh again, I'm gonna strangle you. You know. And you know, sometimes you're gonna feel that way. And and look, we need to be honest about this. You have you you are in a relationship with a person that you cannot see who frankly asks you to do a lot of difficult things mm-hmm. that go against every natural feeling that mm-hmm. you have. They cause a lot of problems in your life. They make a lot of things more difficult. And you know, and, and you got to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And here's the great thing is Jesus is completely cool with you being yeah. honest yeah. about that. You know, if you're... If you're not uh, if you're not married to somebody right now, and you have a whole lot of of horniness, and you, and it's just driving you crazy. The worst thing that you could do is not talk to him. Yeah. About yeah. That. The best thing that you could possibly do is to say to him, "I think it's messed up, and I think it's unfair, and I think what you're asking of me, I think it sucks. Yeah. I think it, frankly, it's difficult, and I and I don't think you know what it feels right. like." I mean, I know Hebrews 4 says that you're a merciful high priest and you were tempted and everything, but I frankly, I don't feel like I'm believing that right now. It would be the best possible thing. See, this is a real relationship. Sometimes you're really going to be feeling it. Sometimes you're not going to be feeling it at all. And I think the key thing is to go about this with as much honesty as possible. Uh, A couple of things on that. One, Jesus knows everything. So you are not going to mm-hmm. ever surprise him with your honesty. He's never going to be like, what? Nope. You're not feeling it right now? Like, what? Are you kidding me? He's never going to be surprised. He's never going to be disappointed in you. By the way, if you're unclear on that, the emotion of disappointment requires an expectation that was unfulfilled. Jesus knows everything. He has no expectation that's unfulfilled yeah. in you. Mm-hmm. He has certainties. He knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what it's going to be. He is not disappointed in you. So go ahead and lay everything out as honestly as possible and then move forward with the next thing. It's a fantastic point. And both of the things that both these guys have uh, pointed to, is, which is absolutely true, is this whole thing is a process that we don't get to the end that we don't even get to the end of in this life of kind of trusting God and giving your whole life over to him much less do we get to that in one step so Jed mm. my question to you to get us to take us out on this is so how do how do we grow in that how do we, mm. what are our metrics for knowing we're doing a little bit better in that if we never fully get there mm-hmm. well I think we have to know where to start and where to take the next step I think that's really the critical thing and and the thing I'd submit to you is Two pieces, uh, but you'll, you'll discover they're opposite sides of the same coin. The thing I'd, I'd encourage you to look at is, are there areas of your life today 
that are not working for you. And I don't mean, are there areas of your life that church people wouldn't like? I mean, are there areas of life that you look at and go, I'm not happy and this ain't working? Because if mm. there are, then you have nothing to lose by taking those to Jesus. Right. If you're not happy with them, then take those to him. Um, right. I mean, what I hear you describing in your question is, I got stuff in my life that's working for me just fine. I recognize right. it's you know supposed to be wrong, but I'm, I'm great. So, mm-hmm. well, we don't, uh, unless we're dealing with an emergency situation, which I don't believe we are, we don't need to start with those areas. We can, you have areas in your life today that are not working for you, where it's driving you crazy. That could be something related to your dating life. That could be something related to relationships with family. That could be, you know, stuff related to insecurity, the way that you view yourself. But let's start there. Right. Because again, um, uh, well, and don't let me interrupt your flow, but I think, Part of what you may find is the pain points track back to something that's that you're doing wrong that you don't have a pain point about. So they're they're Absolutely. they're they're connected. Absolutely, there's no question about it. But you gotta you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, and I think part of this, um, you know, I don't I don't know if you're a guy or a girl, but dude, for the person who wrote this in, um, is understanding the personality of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, the personality of Jesus right. is patient. Yep. The personality of, of Jesus is kind. The personality of Jesus is not in a hurry. Um, right. The godliest people that I know um, have a way of waiting till I come to them and say, you know, this is kind of driving me crazy. Do you think we could do something with that? <laughs> right. Say, I've been waiting for you to ask. Right. Right. Um, and I think that you're going to find that's true for Jesus too, because mm-hmm. th- that's where they learned it from. Yeah. Um, sure, there are emergency situations. There are things that get to a point of being so out of whack, you know, it doesn't matter how we feel about them, we got to do something right this minute. But that's not, that's not the bulk of life. As we grow, the thing that we want to get into the habit in terms of this relationship is asking Jesus, what's not working for me that I'm not seeing? Show me that. Help me to hear your voice and your leading on that. What are the things that are holding me back that I'm that I'm not aware of? Mm-hmm. And let's speak for a second to the elephant in the room. Here's the elephant in the room is pornography. That's the thing you're referring to almost certainly. That's the thing almost everybody's referring to is um, there's something related to sex that I want to be able to do that I think God says that I can't do and I don't know what to do with that because I really want the sexy stuff and but mm-hmm. I also want the Jesus stuff. Feels good and I get, I'm, I'm so tired of feeling guilty about it. I'm just numb to it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, a, God gets it. Uh, Jesus understands. He's not looking down on you. As Lee said, he's not disappointed with you. Here's another crazy thought. We don't have to start there. That's right. Uh, we can we can actually start with something that isn't that. That's mm. that's no problem. Submitting your sex life to God is also a process. That's that's, that's not right. a, a one-time thing. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. uh, but the thing I'd encourage you to do, again, is, is what's something where you're not happy? Not something where other people tell you you shouldn't be happy, but where you're not happy. Start there. Take yeah. that to the Lord. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. God's not asking you to take his word on everything. He's mm-hmm. saying, try me. I will show you. I'll show you that I have my best interests are. And because here's how that works. Let's say, for example, you have a network of family relationships that are driving you crazy. And you go to the Lord and say, this is driving me crazy. I need wisdom. I need you to show me something new. I need to do something new here. And, and by, through listening to the Lord in prayer and by reading the Bible and by getting wise counsel, you come up with a new mindset and a new mentality and new strategies and you try them and they work. Mm-hmm. Th- think about it. Just imagine. Put yourself in that mindset for a second. And they work. And you have more peace and you have more joy and more confidence. You're feeling great. All of a sudden, it's much less of a stretch to say, you know, I know that sex stuff. I think I'm happy with it, but I also right. know it's not exactly what God wants for yeah, me. Yeah. And you know what? This works so well and uh-huh. I'm in such a better place. May- you know what? Maybe let's talk about it because maybe, yeah. all right, Lord, I'm willing to hear you out. 
I, right. What do, do you have anything for me on? Right, 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 right. That's right, the right. way actual growth works. That's right. That's the way actual growth moves forward. God is not afraid of that. God's not put off by that. You hear a lot of talk in church about you know people doing things for His glory. Don't worry about any of that. Right. Tell God how you're doing. Tell God what's up. Tell God what is and isn't working for you. Learn, learn to listen to what He has to say in return, and let that be a journey that you walk hand in hand with your Savior. It's a lot of great stuff, and in a big way, it actually comes back to where we started with communion on the remembering thing. There's that thing where God, uh, throughout the Old Testament, you know, refers to himself as the God who brought you out of Egypt. This is literally everybody's process is, I trust God with one thing, eventually, that's process in and of itself. Then at the beginning of the next process, the best thing I can do is remember that one. Yep. And eventually you get a few of those built up, and it gets, as I'm going to point to, incrementally easier over a very long period of time. It's not, you know, I started going to church every week and that made me feel happy. So now I give God my sex life willingly. It's really not a picture of this actually ties back to our second question. Everything in the Christian life takes longer than you think it should. Definitely. And longer than other people will portray that it took. Uh That's a big one there. All right. So if you have a question for us, stay at podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. If you're right in the bridge, in the Tumblr, make sure to mention the podcast. So we know that. So I know that you want it on that. Someone did that. As a matter of fact, as we're recording, which unfortunately means it's literally the longest possible amount of time between you being able to submit a question and hear an answer to it, because we record these in two blocks, so we won't be answering your question on this episode, or the next one, I'm afraid. We will answer on the blog in the meantime, but... Sorry, bro. Sorry, we want to acknowledge that came in. This question that came in about being a perfectionist, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm still beat up on myself, so what should I do about that? So stay tuned. So stay, stay tuned. It's a cliffhanger. Same bat time, same bat channel. For those of you who are... 50 wow. now. <laughs> yeah. The only person whose references are consistently older than myself. Yep. But we wouldn't want to take out with a song about that if you listen to the podcast. So this is a song from this month's Bridge Box, which mentions all about anxiety. It's actually a song from Lee. It's a really cool idea for a song, and Lee uh, really pulled it off well. It's this idea of kind of responding back to what psychologists call the negative self-talk. Yeah. Kind of those accusations, which is a big part of perfectionism is, you know, it's never good enough. You should always do more, be more, study more, try more. So this is uh, Lee's, a uh, really great song by Lee called Break the Spell about having some a conversation back to that. So take it out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, but seriously, wash your undercarriage. <laughs> oh, my there's an argument running round inside my head And it drags me down Makes me want to stay in bed Tells me what to fear What tomorrow's gonna be But I am ready to talk back I'm done listening
It's not happening.